then restored much of the earlier Ottoman government structure and began to appoint more Iraqis to lead in the local provincial governments, albeit backed by the British. So, I mean, okay, tit for tat, at least they're putting the locals in charge. So there's that. But they still are the puppet masters, you know, above everything else, which, you know, I think they we still are. I mean, fucking white people. Anyway. Well, I mean, this is like a, a round of the great game, right? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. For sure. Uh, which I don't know if we've ever covered but if we haven't we should it would be fun story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal now are they are they ufos or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental i don't know planes that they're building Police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And finally, welcome to Strange Uncles. Uh, I'm Shane. <laughs> Jesus. I'm Josh. Hey, Josh, what's going on? I say finally because, holy know. shit, we finally got our, our ducks in a row, kind of, to do an episode instead of... <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's been a minute. And it has been a minute. Yeah, hopefully the listeners aren't too, you know, agitated. And if you are, uh, uh, fuck off. I don't know. I don't know what to do well, for you. So. If you are, um, I don't know, join the Patreon, all all of you, so that we can there you go. make money that way and quit. Well, Shane can quit his terrible day job. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> so here we are. I know last one we threw out was just us kind of shooting shit, catch up on some things. Um, I think we're kind of back in the saddle with a few, uh, and you know, Josh, and you say, you know, I threw some SU oddities out there, some old ones um, for the regular listeners. And of course, yeah, the patrons are privileged to have some of the new ones along with some special recordings. But uh, but yeah, man, how uh, how's the, oh, shit, I guess weather. Fuck, we always talk about weather. Hot as shit it's hot over as here. fuck, dude. Oh, man. Man, God. I do not like it. No, I don't like it one bit. You know, and it's like the good thing for you over there is, and I know you hate this term and I hate it when people say it too, but at least it's not like humid as hell on top of heat. Well, it's but, humid for us. It's, oh, everyone yeah. else would laugh, but it's more humid than it normally is. It's yeah. like 30% or something, which is nothing to most people. But here it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, no, I know. And usually we don't get that hot. We stay like in the, you know, low to mid eighties, but like yesterday, I think it was like 98. The problem is, and that's on hippy dippy, but you know, this giant rock we're all living on. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but they broke another, uh, the world temperature for the world's highest day recorded uh, was like last week. Yeah. So, it was like three days in a row and they said they expect it to keep going like that. It's uh, yeah. you know, yeah, no, global, global warming doesn't exist. Ah, that's what the you know people in Congress say, right? Yeah, there's that. So anyway, we're all gonna die. Yeah, right. Anyway, anyway, so I will but, see you in the Nestle Water Wars, my friend. <laughs> no shit about that. Anyway, so anyway, we're back. We're doing it. Uh, we got some cool ups. We got some cool things on. Uh, and actually, on my side, uh, something I forgot to talk to you about. Maybe after we record, I'll talk about it. Um, got some trips planned, so hopefully I can record some of those things um, and throw them out there, special little patrons, and, and go from there. But um, we thought on this one, 
So, you know, of course, we're big movie buffs. You guys all know that because we inundate your ears usually like every fucking episode with some weird movie that we recommend. Or like um, only a quarter of the episode. Yeah, I know, right? It's fucking pathetic. Uh, we should just do a whole another podcast just with that. Just, to, you know, anyway. Um, most of you know that Indiana Jones dropped in theaters, which I know sounds hokey. But, you know, come on. Well, if it, it we, sounds hokey, you're in the wrong goddamn place. Is yeah, all I'm it, it, say. exactly. Dude, I, we were raised on this shit. I mean, you know, even Crystal Skull, everybody bashed it. I, I fucking liked loved it. it. I thought it was great. It was a great plot. Yeah, was it the my Shia favorite, LaBeouf thing? Yeah. My favorite gripe about Crystal Skull was that everyone's like, aliens, come on. And I was like, have you never watched an Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> Thank you, I mean, dude. you've Holy got shit. ghosts coming out of a old biblical box. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You've got a dude pulling people's hearts out while they're still alive. In zombie um, kids, kids under like a zombie power it, spell. Fucking. Yeah, and then you've got the Holy Grail. Like yeah, a thousand year old aliens is a bridge too far for you. <laughs> I don't fucking go get fuck these yourself. People. I don't get these people. Anyway, it's just funny. So you know, whatever the critics are saying, whatever they want to say, this will be the last one. I mean, God, the guy's eighty. You know, um, I haven't had a chance to go see it because you know, I got oh, the, do yourself the a weed. favor. Is it good? Oh, did you see it already? Yeah, ah, fuck, yeah, dude. Okay, cool. Um, it's 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 what I think everyone who complained about Crystal Skull wanted Crystal Skull to be. Oh, okay. Like, okay. you know, it's got, it's, it's got, uh, like a really, really good, well, Kate Blanchett was amazing in Crystal Skull, but it's got like a Mads Mikkelsen is the main baddie mm-hmm. and that dude is good in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story is really good. There's no Shia LaBeouf, so everyone can <laughs> relax. Right. Um, but it's really well written, really well acted. I mean, it's an Indiana Jones movie. Of course yeah. it is. You know, everything's yeah, yeah. done really well, but it's also got like that heart that you that That's some awesome. people felt was missing from the last one. I, I can't wait to. I can't wait to see it. I know they brought back the gal that he's been in love with you know, this whole time. I know she's back in it. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Hopefully, you know, I could break away. Uh, usually I'm on top of these things, but, uh, you know, life gets in the way, but that's cool. That's good. Oh, you know, babies will do that. (laughs) Babies and work, right? You know, it's a, it's a thing. Well, here's the thing. So the reason we mentioned that again, not to yada yada about movies, but, uh, you know, we have Indiana Jones uh, was uh, obviously creator that was created, da, 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 this guy, historical figure. And we realized I stumbled on something actually a few weeks ago and, and was kind of kicking around and finally finished it. Um, the, there's some real life Indiana Jones shit for some people. Exploration, yeah. archaeology, like these things that, and there's one um, in general, and this is what we're going to go to. This isn't really like weird aliens, yeah, anything, but this is just amazing what this person accomplished. Every so. once in a while, we lean into the edu part of the edutainment. Right. You know? right. There you go. Yeah. Hey, it's interesting to us, right? If it's interesting to us, you know, it should be interesting to you guys. So without further ado, um, that's where we're going to start, right? You know, and with that being said, you know, people disappear from history. Not like literally, but they just, they well, kind of get, well, sometimes, yeah, if the mafia is involved, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, historical figures that we were taught in school, you know, the famous ones, Davy Crockett, Lewis and Clark, Troop, all these guys, the list goes on. We're all taught about their accolades, what they accomplished. But, you know, there's an issue here. And mainly, you know, um, there really isn't a lot of women in history. I mean, there are, 
they are always kind of behind the guy, right? It's almost like women didn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> funny you should say that. <laughs> so, and we really, you know, we've come a long ways, but at the same time, we we need to come further along, right? And we, we need to make sure that everything's equal. Um, Sacagawea, for example. Okay, yeah, she was in history, but she was the one to help Lewis and Clark and da-da-da. And there's always a woman behind the man. That's why the man accomplished what he did. It was the support of the female counterparts, right? Um, it's not always 100% accurate, though. Uh, there have been women who featured due to their accolades. Uh, Calamity Jane. Uh, there was a movie, what, Hidden Figures, I think, that came out four or five years ago about the yeah. NASA. A fantastic movie. I mean, if it well, wasn't I mean, for them. I mean, we could talk about uh, Queen Elizabeth, you know. Yeah. I mean, my God, it, it's it's crazy. So, But it's funny that we stumbled on this one. So one particular woman in history that, and again, you know, I'd like to say she's kind of the real life Indiana Jones because holy shit did she accomplish things. It, just as amazing. And because we're kind of geeks, you know, the whole thing, you know, the new movies out and all this, we figured maybe this was the time to do it. So um, we're going to actually discuss a one Gertrude Bell. She had an amazing life, to say the least. Uh, she actually, during World War One, she was one of the many British spies in the Middle East, uh, where she helped orchestrate the end of the Ottoman Empire. She was also an archaeologist, a writer, explorer, a mountain climber. Like, the list goes on. It's just crazy. Um, so without further ado, man, unless you got anything, uh, let's roll into this Gertrude Bell. Yeah. Yeah? All right, open the gates. So in 1868, there were many things that were changing in history, a very pivotal year to say the least. Uh, It was very clear, you know, times were changing. Uh, Many years are like this, but this one in 1868, it seems things just shifted, you know, of course, you know, with everything going on overseas in Japan, there was stuff happening with uh, different uh, emperors taking over uh, here in the United States. There's a presidential election that was being influenced by the issues of reconstruction and the rebuilding of our country after the Civil War, which tore us apart and brought us back together again, right? Um, A sunshiny, happy chapter in (laughs) the nation's history. uh, Needless to say. um, Other things, you know, in that same year, the Senate acquitted President Andrew Johnson of impeachment charges by literally one vote, we shit you not, which is funny, that word still is flying around in modern times. And the 14th Amendment, uh, which granted citizenship and equal protection to all people born or naturalized in the U.S. was ratified. And lastly... In Durham, England, a one Gertrude Bell was born into the world. So, uh, her family was wealthy, uh, which enabled both her higher education and her travel. So, we just want to mention that off the get-go before everybody's like, oh my God, da-da-da, money gets you everything. Well, but it also takes perseverance, too. And she had a lot of that behind her. Um, her grandfather money was... Helps. A, money helps. Money does help, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, okay, fine, whatever. Um, her grandfather was an ironmaster, Sir Isaac Lothian Bell, an industrialist and liberal member of the parliament. Uh, Mary Bell, her mother, died in 1871 while giving birth to Gertrude's brother. Uh, she was just three at the time, and the death led to a lifelong close relationship with her father, Sir Hugh Bell, uh, who was a progressive capitalist and mill owner who was known to be kind of a fair and straight-laced type of guy, uh, not only to his family, but his workers and companions as well. Um, and in case we haven't mentioned it yet, her father, her f- whole family, not only her father, but her family, her grandfather, we mentioned them because they were really high on the ch- food chain. Again, money. You know, they had a lot of money behind them. Um, they were attending balls, thrown by Queen Victoria, rubbing elbows with all the elites of England. Like, they, they had, they were okay. They were well off, let's say, right? 
Um, Throughout her life, Gertrude consulted on matters great and small with her father, uh, her personal role model. In particular, Hugh uh, shared his knowledge of government and access to the highly placed officials with Gertrude. At seven, her father remarried and gave her stepmother and three half-siblings, making the tribe a little bit bigger. But she never forgot everything that her dad would teach her as far as politics go. Um, And that went a long way for Gertrude, for sure. So... I just thought of the Brady Bunch theme song for some reason. (laughs) Anyway. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, fast forward a little bit from 1883 to 1886. Gertrude Bell attended Queens College in London, a prestigious school for girls at the time. Um, At the age of 17, she then studied at Oxford University and studied history, which was one of the few topics women were actually allowed to specialize in uh, at Again, at, at, at that at time, yeah. we're talking Yay. the Victorian era. Yeah. Uh, she specialized specialized in modern history, and she was the first woman to graduate in modern history at Oxford with a first-class honors degree, a feat she achieved in only two years. And, and another quick note, only 11 people graduated from Oxford that year, nine being men. Jesus. However, the two women, uh, including Gertrude, were not awarded academic degrees, Course not. Uh, it was not until 1920 that Oxford treated women equally with men in the respect of giving them their actual paper. Um, in ni- 1899, Gertrude started getting uh, some itch for exploration. She climbed her first mountain, Mount Miege. Now, let's in the wrong. A 13,000-foot mountain in the French Alps. Uh, Since there were no proper climbing clothes options for women at the time, Belle attempted to climb in a skirt but quickly stripped down to her underclothes, oh, dear, to make the trip more comfortable, which shocked others in her party. By 1901, she became the first person to climb all the mountains in the Swiss Alps. Uh, That sounds like a lot of mountains. Jesus Christ. Uh, This time wearing a blue climbing suit that consisted of pants, not a skirt, so she adapted and improvised. Uh, to add to this, she accomplished this in a mere two weeks. Okay, I'm, that sounds wrong. <laughs> you know, I, sounds I, I looked in that, but I don't know. Um, I, you know, the Swiss Alps. What I, counts as a mountain? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, let's start there. So, what anyway. counts as every mountain? It's like... <laughs> It yeah. was. It was. Uh, she beat the record, though. I mean, the thing. Needless to say, she beat the record for all of that. It just was. She had thanks for it. And I was like, ah, cool. You know. Fuck. No, I mean, uh, yeah. good for her. Uh, sounds embellished, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she also charted some new paths through the mountains at the same time. Um, in fact, one of the peaks was named after her, Gertrude Spitzer. Uh, she spent the next few years climbing mountains, despite almost dying in a snowstorm while dangling from the side of Finsterara Horn. In 1902, during this same time frame, from 1890 to 1892, she attended the London social rounds of balls and banquets where eligible young men and women paired off, but failed to find a match and, to add a note, never married or had kids, um, instead focusing on her career and the adventures to come. Not that she didn't try, though. Hmm. Yeah, scandal. Right, right. I said scandal coming. <laughs> um, when <laughs> she, had when she traveled to Persia, what's that? No, no, no. Come, it, it, the scandal will come. <laughs> so. Okay. About to get, about to get uh, ratchet up in this shit. Uh, when she traveled to Persia in 1892 to visit her uncle, Sir Frank Lancells, uh, who was tr- stationed there as a British ambassador, she courted Henry Cadogan, a mid-ranking British diplomat in Tehran, but was refused permission to marry him after her father discovered that Cadogan was deeply in debt and not 
her social equal. So she put he put the kibosh on that shit because he was not about to allow a gold digger into the yep. fold. Can't step down, um, right? Yeah. Uh, Cadigan died in 1893, and Bell received the news via telegram. She then befriended British colonial administrator Sir Franken Swettenham. That is. That is <laughs> Would you a like British have a name. name like that? That is a British as all British. Schwettenham. (laughs) Schwetty wiener. Uh, Anyway, Um, on a visit to Singapore with her brother Hugo in 1903, and, uh, you know, some stuff happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, She kept in touch with him until 1909. Then she had an unconsummated affair with Major Charles Dowdy Wiley, who coincidentally was married, uh uh-oh, from 1913 to 1915. Uh, But then that poor bastard died in 1915 during the great war, which pretty much left Gertrude to just say, eh, fuck it. I'm done with men time to focus on other shit where the heart isn't involved, which seems to me like that might've been her speed. I think so. I mean, you know, everybody needs something to, you know, even though you're an explorer venture or whatever, have you, you still need to get it on. I would assume even back then. Right. You know, and not saying they weren't, uh, it was a thing. So anyway, but fun fact People here. be fucking. That's right. Uh, fun fact real quick. So it's hard to keep up with Gertrude through all of her travels, all of her experiences. Uh, but we want to paint a good picture if we didn't also mention this. So she became fluent in Arabic, Persian, French, German, Italian, and Turkish. Uh, in 1897, she published a well-regarded translation from Persian into English of the poems of The Divine of Haves, and her work was later praised by Edward Denison Ross, who was a renowned linguist, and an E. Granville Brown, who was famous a British aeronologist, which I didn't know there was such thing as an ironologist, but... Uh, there you well, go. I mean, if they yeah. had Egyptologists, why not? Yeah, why not? Exactly, sure. Um, she had also practiced horseback riding from a young age, a skill that would aid her in her travels, and it definitely did. Um, crazy. So, early 1900s, she made various trips to Syria, Asia Minor, and Constantinople, just to name a few places, uh, visiting archaeological sites. Uh, she published her observations of the Middle East in the 1907 book, Syria, the Desert and the Sown. In it, she vividly described, photographed, and detailed her trip to greater Syria, including Damascus, Jerusalem, Beirut, Antioch, Alexandretta, and people in the lands of Druze and Bodoin. 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 Nailed it. Bedouin. Bedouin. Uh, she spent most of her time studying destroyed historical archaeological sites, uh, detailing findings and the history and the people of the areas she was researching, which in turn built her reputation with various people and tribes, many calling her the, wait for it, <laughs> the Queen of the Desert. So there's hmm. that. Sounds like a good movie. Um, yeah. She even rubbed elbows with T.E. Lawrence, who was known as Lawrence of Arabia. I'm sure everybody kind of has heard that name. Uh, he was a British archaeologist, army officer, diplomat, and writer who became renowned for his role in the Arab Revolt. Uh, in 1913, she completed her last and most arduous Arabian journey, traveling about 18. Uh, this fucking crazy, traveling about 1,800 miles from Damascus to the politically volatile Halil, uh, back up across the Arabian Peninsula to Baghdad, and then from there back to Damascus. Um, so, I mean, I would think back in the day, like 1930. Uh, yeah, anyway, you know, tra- a traveler, to say the least. Yeah, uh, that would take a minute. I would, yeah, exactly. Uh, then she ran into a slight bump, let's say, uh, in the road. Unbeknownst to outsiders, the Rashidi dynasty had been ravaged by both war with Assad's forces and internecine rivalries. 
Uh, the emir and oldest dynasty member was only 16 years old after assassinations and disputes had killed others of the bloodline. So lucky him. He, he got everything, evidently. Um, Gertrude was caught in the middle of all this bullshit and was held prisoner in the city for 11 days before being released. She wrote afterward that in Halal, uh, murder is like spilling of milk, unquote. Uh, Gertrude's mm. travels resulted in her being elected a fellow of the Geographical Society in 1913 and was awarded a medal from them in 1914, then another in 1918. I'm not sure I would call it a medal from the National Geographical Society. Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, I'll let it go. But none, say the least, they gave a sure. shit about what she was doing. Right. So yeah, yeah. I that. mean, at least they acknowledged it. And yeah, yeah. Because uh, believe it or not, the National Geographic Society at that time was um, kind of fucked. Uh, well, they were, yeah, that's they what were I a little bit weird. Yeah, they were a little bit uh, misogynistic and a little bit. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they had some strange opinions I, I, about <laughs> some things. <laughs> I, I tend to guess that most things back then was kind of misogynist. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, and well, know. that and like uh, so like. The I've talked about this before, but like the issue that I have with like the ancient astronaut theory is that it's like kind of like when you look at it a little bit racist, right? Like there's no way these brown people could have fucking done this. It had to have right. been aliens, right? Right. right. Uh, and that was basically the uh, the standard thinking of in like historical, archaeological, geographical yep. societies of yep. the time, like ex- exploration societies. Like if you've ever, if you're familiar with the story of the lost city of Z or whatever, like oh, yeah. the first, the first expedition that Percy Fawcett went on and he found some artifacts that showed like a highly advanced civilization had been there. Right. He brought that stuff back to England and they were like, there's no way these savages could have done this, you know, like well, that, that was just the way people thought then. You know I, I, I mean? Absolutely. And here, and really, you know, I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit, but just to kind of cover, you know, one of the things of this story, one of the, the themes, I suppose, is, you know, if you take it away and we're not talking about Gertrude, but we're talking about all these historical events that happened in this region. Um, it was just fucking old white people involved in every single thing. Um, for oil, for everything else, like they just kind of squatted and thought that they could fix it all. And yeah, they felt know? that they were entitled to it for yep. one reason or another. Yep, yep. So that that's kind of the underlying theme around all this shit. I think at the end, you you guys will catch that. But uh, I, I caught that at the end. I'm like, oh, they're just a bunch of assholes. Okay, no, no, yeah, yeah. You know, well, <laughs> British. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, believe in UFOs felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain contemplate the other side of reality do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense well look no further than strange uncles find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945 open the gates So uh, around this time, we have another bump in the road. Uh, the Great War to End All Wars, World War I. Uh, the British entered World War I in August 1914 and the Ottoman Empire in late October. Um, Wyndham Deeds, who was a high up muckety muck in the British Army, asked Gertrude for her assistance of the situation in Ottoman Syria, Mesopotamia and Arabia. In response, she wrote a letter detailing her thoughts on the degree of British sympathies in the region. Um, And then she volunteered with the Red Cross, serving from November 1914 to November 1915, first in Boulogne, France, 
Um, and then later back in London, she was part of the wounded and missing inquiry department that attempted to coordinate information between the British Army, French hospitals and worried families about the status of their soldiers and casualties of the war. Hmm. Uh, coincidentally, Judith Dowdy Wiley, the, Wiley, the wife of, uh, <laughs> of the aforementioned dude. Uh-huh. Um, um, anyway, the wife of the dude Bell was having a bit of an affair with uh, that we mentioned earlier. She was also stationed in Boulogne in this period. The two met and exchanged pleasantries with some fake smiles. Um, Gertrude asked Charles in a letter to discourage his wife from any further meetings. Um, Oops. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that made everything just super smooth Hunk, going forward. <laughs> Awkward. Um, in November 1915, Gertrude was then summoned to Cairo. The Cairo detachment of British officials headed by Colonel Gilbert Clayton and renowned archaeologist and historian Lieutenant Commander David Hogarth. And they were called the Arab Bureau. Of course they were. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, all, who also include her old friend T.E. Lawrence. Uh, the Bureau set about organizing and processing Gertrude and Lawrence's data about the location and disposition of Arab tribes of the Sinai and Gulf region. They also mapped the region, including its sources of water. Uh, this information would later be of use to Lawrence during the Arab revolt as to which tribes could be encouraged to join the British against the Ottoman empire. Uh, so suffice it to say a lot of stuff going on mm. uh, with the British smack dab in the middle of it all, drawn lines on maps the way they do. Yep. yep. Uh, the work continued as she went to Delhi after Cairo to better coordinate the Arab Bureau with the government of India and uh, and mediate their differences, according to Gertrude. Uh, there was no sign, no kind of touch between us except rather bad tempered written telegrams. So sounds like <laughs> government bureaucracy is uh-huh. not really getting along. Right, right. Um, After impressing several high ups in the British India fold, including Lord Harding, who was a viceroy of India and family friend, she then was tasked to go to Basra, which was captured by the British at the beginning of the war and joined the staff of chief political officer Percy Cox as one of the few Westerners who knew the area. She traveled in the region between Basra and Baghdad, assessed the stance and opinions of local inhabitants, and wrote reports and drew maps that would aid the British Army in their eventual advance on Baghdad. She continued to work between all these factions, trying to aid and help the war efforts, and just to sum it up, spent all of World War I reporting, assisting, and being a key component for the British during the war. Hmm. Uh, We would be amiss if we didn't mention that there was a little bit of hidden agenda that she was involved in as well, which was protecting her country's oil interests throughout the war. Right. I mean, we we, we talked about that. I mean, yeah, yeah, go figure. I mean, yeah, she's doing a lot of stuff here. But at the same time, it's like, okay, why? I mean, are there's you always doing, a reason, right? Uh, there's always agenda. There's always a soapbox. But yeah, yeah. anyway, it's what yeah. it is. So, anyway, uh, so. here's a fun fact yeah. for yeah. you, though. Yeah. Uh, while in the Middle East, Gertrude reported the Armenian genocide, contrasting the killing of, with previous massacres. She wrote that earlier killings were not comparable to the massacres carried out in 1915 and the succeeding years. She also reported that in Damascus, Ottomans sold Armenian women openly in the public market. In an intelligence report, she quoted a statement by a Turkish prisoner of war, quote, the battalion left Aleppo on 3 February and reached Ra's al Ain in 12 hours. Some 12,000 Armenians were concentrated under the guardianship of some hundred Kurds. These Kurds were called gendarmes, but in reality, more butchers. 
Bands of them were publicly ordered to take parties of Armenians of both sexes to various destinations, but had secret instructions to destroy the males, children, and old women. Jesus. One of these gendarmes confessed to killing 100 Armenian men himself. The empty desert cisterns and caves were also filled with corpses. No man can ever think of a woman's body except as a matter of horror instead of attraction after Raz al-Ain. Ugh. End quote. Fucking so, war yeah. great, isn't it? So. Yeah, you know, uh, the turn of the century was a fucking real wild time. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of shit going on. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's fucking crazy. So yeah, um, let me take this here. So okay, so uh, catch you up here. So the war ended in 1918, uh, but in 1917, Gertrude made the choice to move and permanently live in Baghdad. So she just kind of fell in love with the area, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, she visited France and England in 1919, attending the Paris Peace Conference, where plans for the dismantling of the Ottoman Empire came into shape as negotiations over which territories should be distributed to whom was actually discussed. Again, everybody's hands in the cookie jar, except for the people that are involved, right? You know, it's a thing. Yep. Um, famously, the sykes Pacod agreement, uh, negotiated by the same Mark Sykes whom Gertrude had met 15 years earlier, allocated northern Syria to French influence, although the French were persuaded to withdraw their claims on Mosul Valiet to Syria's east. Uh, this left the British and the Arabs with southern Syria, Mosul, Baghdad, and Basra to divide. So, yay, okay, somebody gets a piece of the pie here, right? Um, Mesopotamia was still under provisional military government that largely reported to the government of British India. Uh, over the course of 1919, she became convinced that an independent Arab government in Mesopotamia, backed by British advisors, quote that, was the correct path to follow. So, go figure. She saw the provisional uh, Hashemite government in Syria, while corrupt, seemingly return to life to a peaceful, normal state for everybody, which is, I mean, that's good, I guess, right? Meanwhile, affairs in Egypt saw the Egyptian Revolution of 1919 against the British. Gertrude believed that the spirit of 1919 would spread to Mesopotamia as well if the British kept dicking the dog and didn't make the moves that were needed because they just weren't paying attention. They weren't seeing what she was seeing. Um, well, yeah, because they didn't you know, give a shit. They didn't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, she spent nearly a year writing what was later considered a masterly official report, Review of the Civil Administration of Mesopotamia. Uh, she had pushback from British di diplomats, which, fuck, of course she did, uh, namely a guy called Wilson, who was a civil commissioner. This problem soon went away when a friend of hers by the name of Percy Cox took over Wilson's position. Percy asked Gertrude to continue as his Oriental secretary and to act as liaison with a forthcoming Arab government. He then restored much of the earlier Ottoman government structure and began to appoint more Iraqis to lead in the local provincial governments, albeit backed by the British. So... I mean, okay, tit for tat, at least they're putting the locals in charge. So there's that. But they still are the puppet masters, you know, above everything else, which, you know, I think they we still are. I mean, fucking white people. Anyway. Well, I mean, this is like a, a round of the great game, right? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. For sure. Uh, which I don't know if we've ever covered, but if we haven't, we should. It would be fun. Um, but it's just basically probably starting with the era of, like, real colonization and stuff, but especially coming to a head around this time period was like, you know, all the geopolitical yep. Uh, yep. positioning and like, it's more fun when it's like the ruling elite are these kind of old timey Victorian weirdos uh, makes it just more conspiratorial. Like it's fun, a game you know of risk. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, fucking it's crazy. And it, and it also is funner to think about it then as opposed to now where, cause it's definitely still happening. I mean, that's oh, of what course we're doing in Iraq yeah. and Afghanistan for, 
20 yeah. years. Yeah. How, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> interesting. Kind of, you know, pisses me. Uh, well, whatever. Um, so meanwhile, so back on the British Isles, uh, the British public was wary of constant war and the Irish War of Independence was being fought at the same time. And the British Empire was in the hole with their finances following World War One. Go fucking figure, right? Uh, British officials in London in particular saw the new Secretary of State for War and Air, a one Winston Churchill. He wanted to reduce expenses in the colonies, including the cost of squashing all these revolts that were happening. Uh, the British realized that their policy of direct governance was adding to the cost. Go, duh. Uh, while the revolt of 1920 was knocked down, it had cost 50 million pounds, which a lot of money, hundreds of British yeah. and Indian lives, and thousands of Arab lives to reach the goal. It was crystal clear that Iraq would be cheaper as a self-governing state. So, because of the influence and footwork of Gertrude, she is known to be one of the biggest influencers in actually creating the country of Iraq, which, that's pretty badass in its own thing. So, you know, Um, her work continued on mending fences among countries. Uh, She was involved in the 1921 conference in Cairo with Winston Churchill uh, that established the boundaries of Iraq. Uh, Bell also helped bring Faisal uh, I to power as Iraq's new king. Uh, For her work on their behalf, Bell earned the respect of the peoples of Mesopotamia. She was often addressed as Kutan, which means queen in Persian and respected lady in Arabic. Uh, She wasn't done yet, though. Gertrude wanted to help preserve the country's heritage. In 1922, Gertrude was named the Director of Antiquities by King Fossil I, and she worked hard to keep important artifacts in Iraq and not spread out all over, like things, like everything happens. They just, they grab and go, right? Um, Bell aided in the crafting of the 1922 Law of Excavation. A few years later, the museum opened its first exhibition space in 1926. She spent the final months of her life working on the museum, painstakingly cataloging items found at Ur and Kish, two ancient Sumerian cities, among others various work within the museum. And to add to all that, she also became the director of antiquity. So there you go, another uh, you know cherry on top of everything else. Uh, she also was involved in the Iraq Library. Uh, she promoted the library and subsequently served on its library committee as president from 1921 to 1924. This included participating in fundraising events, soliciting free copies of books from British publishers for library use, and publishing articles in the library's review. The library started as a private subscription library, but due to financial difficulties, it was taken over by the Ministry of Education in 1924 and changed into a public library. And this is kind of badass. In 1926, it was one of the only two public libraries in the country. It became known as the Baghdad Public Library in 1929, and was renamed in 1961 to the National Library of Iraq. So, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. just like, hey, despite the war, despite all these factions, despite all this bullshit and everything I've seen, um, things need to be documented. You know, we need to not erase these people's history. Um, That's just... That's just cool. I just... I I take that way to be pretty awesome, so... Well, and it was cool that she uh, tried to keep all of the European... Uh, institutions like you know like the natural history museum and everything from just taking everything right exactly i mean look what happened in egypt right you know how much of that shit ended up over here and in britain you know yeah just um yeah no shit Ah, it's a thing yeah um so well all good things come to an end the stress of everything she was involved in from books correspondence intelligence reports reference works white papers and the museum um kind of built up and then uh she caught a chronic case of recurring bronchitis uh 
uh, brought on by years of cigarette smoking. Uh. Smokers are jokers, kids. Uh, <laughs> then let's not forget bouts of malaria. And lastly, add Baghdad summer heat. Jesus. It was all too much for Gertrude, who was now 55. She briefly returned to Britain in 1925, where she faced continued ill health. Uh, she did take the opportunity to correspond with Lawrence, who sought her advice on his forthcoming book, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Her family's fortune had begun to decline due to a wave of post-World War I coal strikes in Britain and economic depression in Europe in general. Mm. Um, when she returned to Baghdad, she developed pl- pl- pleurisy. Pleurisy? Yeah, I never heard of this. Yeah. Pleurisy. Sure, pleurisy. Nailed it. <laughs> which is a lung disease that caused sharp chest pains along with other symptoms. Uh, while she recovered, she heard that her younger half-brother Hugo had died of typhoid and a lot of her friends were leaving Baghdad. This was the straw that broke the camel's proverbial back. She yeah. spent her last year spiraling into mental illness along with uh, physical health issues. And on 12th July, 1926, Bell was discovered dead of an alleged, alleged mm. overdose of sleeping pills. Uh, we say alleged because there were few were a few factors. Uh, it's unknown whether the overdose was an intentional suicide or an accidental misdose. She had asked her maid to wake her in the morning, suggesting an accident, but she had also requested a friend to look after her new dog in case anything happened to her the previous day and had recently written a philosophical letter to her mother on how her lonely existence cannot extend forever, suggesting foreknowledge of her death. She was buried at the Anglican cemetery in Baghdad the same day. Her funeral was a major event attended by a large crowd. It was said King Faisal watched the procession from his private balcony as they carried her coffin to the cemetery. Meanwhile, back in Great Britain, King George V personally wrote a letter of condolences to her parents, Hugh and Florence. That's pretty badass. I mean, she's, you know, got to be up there. If, if King George is writing letters, I mean, my God. Yeah, um, right. God. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, you know, with the overdose again, I, I saw three or four different sources. It just, it seemed like she was ready, right? It seemed like she had things set up. It seemed like, so, you know, I mean, with all the ailments and everything else, um, but a few things to note after her death, and, and this really we want to speak to the legacy of uh, Gertrude. Um, the boundary lines of Iraq that emerged during the partition of the Ottoman Empire still hold today for the modern state of Iraq, which is pretty badass. Uh, Gertrude Bell proposed that many aspects of government be decentralized, both because it was the only feasible way to maintain a heterogeneous, multi-ethnic, and multi-religion state. Uh, under her tribal criminal and civil disputes regulation, local sheikis in the countryside had wide authority to manage tax collection and the judiciary on their own. Um, the national government only had such authority in the major cities. Uh, later rulers would favor a strong centralized government and find this decentralization intrusive. Bell's law was later repealed by the new Iraqi Republic government uh, after the overthrow of the, monarch, uh, the monarchy in 1958, which... You know, it, it is what it is. Um, her work in archaeology and her tenure as director of antiquity antiquities is generally well regarded. Her photographs, notes, and detailed plans of sites she visited from 1909 to 1914 is, quote, priceless documentation. 
uh, that preserved knowledge of many monuments and buildings since they were damaged or destroyed. A memorial plaque dedicated to Gertrude was installed at the Archaeological Museum in 1930 after King Faisal requested her memory uh, be honored in the project she had devoted so much effort to, which, again, kind of, you know, she had him in his back pocket, back pocket too, which I think was really cool. Um, however, the reputation of non-Iraqi archaeologists later suffered due to a corrupt successor of Director of Antiquities, Richard Cook. Cook was forced to resign in a scandal after he was caught using his position to take and smuggle antiquities for his own personal fortune. Fucking go figure. Um, after se- Yeah, right? That never happens. After several short-lived successors to Cook, uh, Sate Ashusri, uh, Gertrude's political rival, took over as director in 1934. He succeeded in advocating for a new law that revised her 1924 law on antiquities. The revised 1936 legislation gave the Iraqi government additional power in the division of antiquities between archaeologists and the government. Uh, Her work with the future National Library of Iraq and the Library of the National Museum of Iraq was praised as helping establish the basis for libraries that go go on to be uh, the best in the Middle East by the 1980s, which is is awesome. Um, Lastly... We do have an obituary that was written uh, by your peer and friend, uh, D.G. Uh, Hogarth, that we, we talked about earlier. And uh, this is kind of where we're ended. And this was really cool for him to say, um, quote, No woman in recent time has combined her qualities, her taste for arduous and dangerous adventure with her scientific interest and in knowledge, her competence in archaeology and art, her distinguished literary gift, her sympathy for all sorts and condition of men, her political insight and appreciation of human values, her masculine vigor, hard common sense, and practical efficiency, all tempered by feminine charm and a most romantic spirit. Aw. Yeah, kind of brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? Um, yeah, there you go, Gertrude Bell, everybody. I, I've never heard of this person in history, um, but, uh, man, it, it's a shame that she died. I mean, really, 55 is, what, 55, 56, 50, it's just young anyway, but again, those yeah. times are pretty tough. And what she accomplished in her life in that time frame, most of us probably won't accomplish if we live till 90. I mean, uh, it, insane. It, it's just a great story. I thought it was, um, you know, and again, like we said, yes, there's veterans invested interest into oil and the British being involved in all this shit. Like, you know, that that's the outline thing behind the curtains here. Uh, but it shouldn't take away from what she actually accomplished, right, at the end of the day. So... There's yeah, that. and also that made me want to watch uh, Stargate and The Mummy. <laughs> that's I remember the beginning of Star, Stargate with the little amulet and the, oh man, that's, I thought yeah, like that movie today. It starts that's with badass. an excavation yeah. in, like around that time frame. I, and then I goes love into that shit. Nothing to do with it, but you know. I love archaeology in general. I just I always was interested. I always want to get into it. Um, and, you know, we're still finding stuff. I mean, that's what's really cool. We're still digging. And it is a shame that um, not just the Middle East, but there's so many countries that are at war. They've been at war for hundreds of years. And missiles have just completely fucking destroyed, um, you know, thousands and thousands of year old monuments that uh, are, are just fucking dust, you know, gone. And, yep. um, yeah, yeah. War's great, isn't it, boys and girls? Fantastic. Eh. Yep. Anyway, so there's a story. I don't know. Uh, hopefully you guys like that. Again, every now and again, we want to, and a lot of it, there's a lot of uh, political savvy into it, a lot of years, a lot of stuff. Uh, hopefully you guys all caught into that. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of things happened in the turn of the century in that neck of the woods uh, to not have to discuss all that stuff. I mean, you kind of have to have that as part of your story 
Um, but it is a little convoluted, I, I admit, you know. So, anyway. Um, you got anything, man, on your side? Uh, no, I would just say let us know if you want us to do more History Hour and, like, maybe talk about things like the Great Game and stuff like that. Yeah, that stuff's cool. I mean, like I said, I, I always dig history. And a lot of times history does converge on just weird shit, too. Um, so yeah, there's not, not always, dry, you know, a UFO or a ghost or a big hairy monster, but it's still yeah, really so cool. interesting. So interesting. You know, like I said, we've, we've done a couple of these and we've got good, good accolades for them. So, um, but let us know. You can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can call us at 801-524-6945. Is that right? I don't think that's right. I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> anyway, let us know. Um, again, we'll try to keep a weekly cadence here. We've got some news coming up. I will say I've been tagging some uh, of the latest and greatest news. Holy shit, there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, like, scientific breakthroughs that are like, they did that? I caught something today about they, uh, they actually, in Japan, learn how to teleport energy. Um, mind you, minuscule, small, but they still were successful. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? So, I mean, I don't know, all kinds of fun stuff here. So, you know, we'll have that out there for you guys. Um, Of course, there's always SU oddities, which, you know, if you've got uh, ADD, um, you can always check those out because they're short. You know, you should be paying attention at least that amount of time. So, yeah. And if you want early access to to stuff and and some other fun goodies, uh, join the Patreon. Yep, absolutely. Patreon.com slash strange uncles. Find us there. Um, how are we looking on socials? We are at Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Strange Uncles on Twitter. There's a YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, right? We, uh, you know, we make an abandoned plans for that thing all the time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's about it for social media. There are so many now that, um, Oh, it's fucking great. I, you know yeah. what? I'm still stuck on Twitter, but it's pissed me off the more and more. I, I don't know. So if it was for this podcast, I probably wouldn't be on social media in general, which pisses a lot of my old friends off because they're like, we haven't talked to you for 10 years. We don't know where you went. I sure shit. I'm not on social media. I'll tell you that. right now. So <laughs> anyway, it's a thing. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a weird uh, ecosystem right now, isn't it? There's a lot of new ones popping up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, everyone's trying to capitalize on uh, the downfall of Twitter. Oh, but boy. also watching the downfall of Twitter is pretty it, it's, fun. It is pretty fun, I got to say. Between Zuckerberg and uh, um, Musk, I'm like, man, you two. Jesus. I Rumor has it they're going to go into a, a, a fight match or some shit. God Which damn would it, be I hilarious. Hope. It would be hilarious. They started talking about doing it in that new dome in, in Vegas. Have you seen that you caught that, that they got that all yeah, up the now? Yeah, the sphere or whatever. The sphere, yeah. So anyway, you know, weird shit going on, but, you know, what, what are you going to do with this world, right? Anyway, that's all I got, man. You got anything on your side? Nah. Awesome. All right, we'll let you guys go. Stay safe. Stay strange. Close the gates.